Good morning to you all. The reading this morning will be from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom the Lord has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is his word. Thank you so much, Saul. I call him Saul Cole. As cool. Once again, friends, good morning. Let us pray. Father, your word is a spiritual food for our soul, a light for our path. a hammer that breaks the heartbeat of our heart. But also a mirror that reveals who we truly are. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So this morning, would you send forth your word through this sermon, a proclamation of your written word By your spirit, would you transform us today in the beginning of this new year, the first Sunday. Perhaps some of us is the first sermon we are about to hear. 
would you plant your truth deep within us? Speak, O Lord. Your servants are listening. Use me as a mere vessel. Holy Spirit, would you glorify Christ? Now, I don't know about you, but um, um, as the new year begins, I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, uh, um, have lots of resolutions and um, expectations. But the truth is, or the reality of our life, that um, particularly these days, we live in a shaky and uncertain world. A world that is filled with sudden and hidden dangers. A world that is filled with swift disasters. A world where all the foundation seems to be crumbling and falling apart. I'm sure you'll agree with me that one of the things that is needed is to have a deep, firm, unshakable, enduring, unlimited, eternal, endless, security. Where can we find that? Well, the good news is that in the words before us this morning, we believers have that security in Christ. We believers have that security in Christ. For the basic reason, as we see on the screen, because our God is for us. Our God is for us. Now, the significance of uh, this phrase, God is for us, is appreciated only when we realize the extent to which uh, that God went to demonstrate that he is really with us. And that's why at the beginning of this year, it was laid upon our heart as we go through this series again of Romans that we begin thinking, pondering, if God is for us, What's going to happen? Friends, to begin with, the God that Paul is talking about in this passage, uh, he, we, need, we need to go back actually to chapter 8, uh, chapter 5, to begin to look at uh, what he has done for us. 
For even in this chapter 8, from verse 28 to verse 30, before we read verse 31, we know and we see and we read that this God is the God who in eternity past, in his love, made a sovereign and gracious decision to do something. And Paul put it this way. This is the God, as we see this chain, who foreknew us in his love. He predestined us to purposes that will never be frustrated. And then he called us in time to be his children. And then he justified us once for all. And then he glorified us. It's like uh, we have not yet reached the glory, but it is like uh, we have already received it. Now, all these are big words, condensed. Perhaps this is your homework this week. Take a word at a day. Sit down, really. Say, what does it mean, God, to have that foreknowledge of me? What does it mean on Tuesday? What does it mean that God predestined me? What does it mean that God called me on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday? Take time to dig this because it's profound. It's a, a golden, as someone said, it is a golden chain of uh, redemption, another big word, or salvation a chain of God's grace and God's glory from past eternity to future eternity, linking all that. It's breathtaking to know that you and I are sitting here or I'm standing here, all that was in the sovereignty and the gracious decision of God. But at the center of all this, it is his love for us. As we can see in verse 34, he did not spare his son and gave him up for us. And that takes us back to chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, this is how God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul, he's writing this. And as already said in verse 1 of chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That is your identity as a Christian, no condemnation. And then he pondered of all this and he said, what can we say in response to these things, all this gracious and mighty work of God to save us? Paul goes on to say, if that is the God who has done all that, he's for us. In fact, 
the if there is not a doubt. In fact, he is saying, since such a God is for us, the God who foreknew, who predestined, who called, who justified, who glorified, and who gave up his son for me, for us, then who can be against us? If that is the God, since that is the God who is for us, four times in this passage, he asked the question beginning by who, who, who? Who is against us? Who will bring charge against us? Who is that condemn us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Those questions, when John Stott thought about this, this is what he said. The apostle hurled this question out into space as it were defiantly, triumphantly challenging any creature in heaven and on earth and all hell to answer them or deny the truth that is contained in them. But there is no answer for nobody and nothing can harm the redeemed people of God. Frankly, I can just stop there and finish the sermon and say, do you know and do you believe that nobody and nothing can harm you? As a believer. But let's dig a little bit. If God is for us, and that phrase basically means, if God is on our side, if God is on our side, then, as we can see from this, nobody can threaten our eternal security. Nobody. Well, Paul, of course, tried to summon hypothetically any conceivable enemy of us Christians. Obviously, there are so many people, um, so many enemies to us as a Christian. But let's think at least one of the obvious, Satan. Satan is uh, called as an accuser. He accuses the believers. Even Satan cannot destroy us. One day, he accused the job before the Lord, saying to the Lord, ha ha, do you think Job worship you for nothing? He doesn't worship you for nothing. He worship you out of selfishness, not out of reverence to you. Or love for you. And then he tested. But when you read the book of Job, from the beginning to the end, God still speaks of Job affectionately, saying, He is my servant. 
No matter what you can do to him. On another occasion, this is in Zechariah chapter 3, we see again Satan standing near a priest called Joshua who is wearing filthy clothes and wanting to accuse Joshua. But then Satan was rebuked. And Joshua was acquitted. On another occasion, we see Satan undermining, wanting to undermine the faith of Peter and the rest of the apostles. And Jesus said to Peter of the danger. And then Jesus said to Peter, even though he tried, I prayed for you. Not only for you, Peter, but for all of you. Friends, even Satan doesn't have an upper hand on us. For God is for us. And the reason we can see that nothing can bring or no one can bring a charge against us because the very fact that God gave up his son and this Jesus did not only die, he also willingly died. And verse 34 has a profound truth there because Jesus not only died, but he rose, he ascended and sitting at the right hand. I remember our brother David Moffitt taking us to this verse as he spoke on Romans 5, that we are not only saved by the fact that Jesus died, but by the fact also how much more that Jesus rose from the dead, but also ascended and is sitting there. You see, the believers, friends, we have two people who helps us when we are weak. We have the Holy Spirit in verse 26 and 27, where the Holy Spirit is also praying for us. But we have Jesus as he is sitting there. He is still doing what is called the priestly work for us. In granting us forgiveness, but also helping us when we are at a very low point of our lives. Christ intercede. Because when you are at a very low point, that's where sometimes the devil can try to grab you. But even that moment, the Lord is with us. Alan Torrance, some of you may know him, a very famous theologian here in our land. He tells about how important the priestly work of Christ was for him at a particularly low point of his life. This is what he wrote. In January 2008, my wife Jane died of cancer. 
She was the most wonderful Christian woman, wife and mother. Watching her death in pain as the cancer spread throughout her body was hard. And seeing our children witness her gradual disintegration, not only physically, but mentally, as the cancer spread through her brain, was extremely hard. There were times when, in my grief, I really struggled to find the wherewith to pray, and indeed, to know how to pray and what to pray for. In sum, I did not know how to pray as I oath. In the depth of the valley, the continuing priesthood of Christ became more relevant than I can begin to articulate. The fact that I, the fact that as I held Jane in my arms, the risen, ascended priest of our confession was present by the Spirit interceding on our behalf meant that we could uh, repose in his presence and know that communion, know that communion that is the beginning and tell us of everything, which is the end of everything. That's a real life. When you are at a low point, I don't know what low point you are in at the moment or what is ahead of you. And knowing that God is for us and Christ is interceding for us should encourage us. Quickly. Not only nobody can threaten us, but Paul say nothing can threaten our eternal security. I don't want to go into details because in this particular, Paul brings all the unpleasant, dangerous situation, circumstances that we too often face as a Christian or may have to face in the coming days or years. And this situation can bring some detriment to our faith. But Paul himself is saying, even all these cannot crush us. In fact, he's quoting a psalm there, Psalm 44, um, where, where the truth is that sometimes what we face, we face what we face not because we have sinned, but because God, in his sovereignty, 
permit that we, his children, go through suffering, just like Jesus went through suffering. And Paul faced that, but nothing crushed him. He said, despite all the pressures outward that may come to me, and the pressures that are inwardly, and all the challenges in all these, God gives us victory and more victory. In fact, the word is using there, we Christians are super conquerors. I mean, you're thinking, Abby, am I really a super conqueror with all I am facing? It doesn't depend on you or on me or on us. It is through the love of Christ. Super conqueror through him who loves us. In other words, Paul is telling us that the victory we have goes back to the cross because that's where the display of the love of God is fully seen. At the cross, Jesus conquered everything. And so through that, we are super conquerors. Now, Paul is not speaking just theory. He knows also the Bible. He can look back to the time in the Old Testament, for instance, Psalm 124, where David and the people of God faced a really serious threat, a threat that was to crush them. And the passage begins, if the Lord was not on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord was not on our side, let the people of God say, when the enemy swiftly came against us, they could have swallowed us alive. But praise be to God who is on our side. It's not theory. In fact, in the last one, he said, if God is for us, there is a total note of triumph. We like a testimony. Just the last one we heard here from our dear son and brother and friend, Liam. We were, what a testimony. Here Paul say, I am convinced, listen, it's not only theory. In my mind, in my whole being, in my conscience, in my heart, I am really convinced. Just like the way he said to Timothy in another place, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded. It's not just a theory. I have faced some of these things and I know through him who loved me, I am a super conqueror. 
He brings 10 items. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through each one of them. But he begins with the most uh, supreme enemy of us, death. He said, neither death. Wow, death? We as a church are mourning. The passing of away of a loved one. We are mourning with Dave and Margaret Angus. We are mourning with Jane and David as they lost loved ones. We are mourning with all those who have gone through that path before these. But even death, my friends, will never be able to separate us from the love of God. Because for us believers, death was transformed to victory. And that's why we can say with the psalmist, precious in the sight of God are the death of his saints. That's why we can say with David, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's why we can say with Paul, we would prefer to be absent from the body and to be with Christ. Because there, it's a far better place. Death doesn't hurt. You say, what? This was explained to little children. A father was struggling to tell his children what has happened to their mom who has died. And as they drove, the children were in the car chatting, chatting. Some of them were quiet. And then a big truck passed them. And then the shadow just uh, hit the whole car. And the father thought, that's the time to explain to the children. He said to the children, what would, you be, what would you prefer, to be run over by a big truck or to be run uh, or, or to, to see the shadow just upon? They say, Daddy, that's easy. The shadow doesn't hurt, but the big truck will hurt. And the father say, that's what you happen to your mommy. It's the shadow of death, and it doesn't hurt. She is in a far better place. What about life? Paul says, neither death. What about life? Life, someone says, is more dangerous than death. Because we still have all the temptation, we still have all the disappointment, the bitterness, and all the challenges of these days. But even with that, no matter what lies ahead, nothing will separate us with that love of God which began from eternity, past, and which is an eternity, future.
what they read that they did not know. And even Paul did not know that within a decade of writing this letter, many of them, if not all, were going to face a challenge, a brutal challenge by the brutality of Nero who rose and persecuted Christians. I don't know what lies ahead of us. But if we know that God is for us and believe that, then let me finish with two things. One, a short story. And another one, a little quote. Or quotation. A short story. It's a story in the fifth century from uh, someone called John uh, Chrysostom. Now, he was a believer, and he was brought before uh, the Roman emperor, and he was threatened with banishment for his faith. And as he was threatened, he said to the emperor, I quote, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. The emperor said, ha, but I will slay you. John replied, no, you cannot, for my life is hidden with Christ in God. The emperor said, I will take away your treasure. John replied, no, but you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. The emperor said, listen, John, but I will drive you away from a man and you shall have no friend left. John replied, no, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to hurt me. Friends, we need to have that boldness, looking at in the eyes of a certain, whatever you bring to me, you can do nothing. Christ died for me. Christ rose again from me. Christ ascended in heaven for me. Christ is sitting there interceding for me. I defy you. In the name of Jesus, go. If God is for us, all fear should be driven away. And we should be people who could sing with joy. We won't fear the battle. We won't fear the night. For you are on our side. And glory and honor and praise to you, the Lord, through Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. The one in whom the love of God rests and was fully displayed to us. If God is for us, 
we will have a new perspective of life and be people with a mission who will encourage others to relinquish their fears wherever they are. Fear of the unknown, just like Caleb and Joshua. There were only two of them among 10 people. The holy congregation were filled with fear because the giant were before them. But Caleb silenced the group and say, if the Lord is pleased with us, in other words, if the Lord is on our side, nothing can hurt us. Can we be people on a mission this year? There's a lot of fear in St. Andrews. There's a lot of fear where we are. But to be people who can tell them, if the Lord is on our side, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. And my last quote is this. But maybe before I put that quote, let me put this thought. What we have been looking at is this. Those who are in Christ may rest assured that God's love will never fail us. And the quote comes, is from Calvin. Some of you don't like Calvin. I like him. And he said this, I quote, All that Christ has done for us is of no value to us so long as we remain outside Christ. I quote again. All that Christ has done for us is of no value to us so long as we remain outside Christ. This Roman 8, that nothing, nobody can accuse us, nothing can separate us. These are the blessings and the benefit of those who are in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is that phrase of uh, Calvin describe you and include you? If you are outside Christ, I plead with you. Why don't you seize this moment, not only today, but for the days to come? And if not now, Perhaps this year, perhaps this week, to say, Lord, here I am. I won't believe in you. I want to follow you. Follow you as my Lord, as I pray that you be with me. So that at the end, I can join the whole people of God who says, if our God is for us, nothing can be against us. To God be the glory. Amen.